0: Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. It's good to see all of you guys, and it's nice to be able to have church where we can be warm and dry and still be together. So I'm glad that you guys are here. Um, is somebody starting us with a worship activity today?
1: Yes, that's me.
0: Okay, I'm going to let you go ahead and take it away, Aaron.
1: Great. Well, good morning. So for worship today, we're going to do something similar that we've been doing. But before um, we jump into that, I'm going to give a little bit of an explanation for worship next week so that you guys can be preparing and thinking about that. So next week, we'd like for you guys to bring a gift. I'm going to read this so make sure I read it correctly. Bring a gift that symbolized God's heart to you over the past year. So bring a gift that symbolized God's heart to you over the past year. So bring something, it can be a tangible thing. It can be a picture of something that you share, um, but bring it to our time and we will split up into groups like we've been doing and you'll have the opportunity to share about that uh, thing that you brought and um, in response to the same questions that we've been doing um, during our time of worship each week. So maybe to help with that, like an example of something that I might bring is we started a garden this past year and through the process of doing all of that God has communicated a lot about his heart there's a lot of parallels to faith and gardening and so he's communicated a lot through that process so maybe I would share something about that and like share a picture of something that we uh, planted and we you know learned from Um, So it can be anything, really, um, but just something that over the past year has demonstrated or communicated the heart of God to you. Um, And so hopefully that makes sense. So we'll also post that in the um, Facebook page, and then it'll be in the newsletter as well um, as a reminder. So if you have questions, just let me know. Um, But for today, we're going to do something similar that we've been doing. So I'll put um, a, a painting here on the screen. And then I'm going to read um, some scripture and an explanation with it. So as I read, I just encourage you, like we've been saying, you know, treat this time of worship in the same way that you would if we were in person. So give your attention to it, um, and you know, really listen for what the Lord might be communicating to you through um, what is read and what you are viewing. And then after that, we'll break into our groups. And we'll discuss it. So the questions that we're we'll discuss are the same ones we've been doing. So you can keep those in mind. Uh, those questions are: What does this say about the heart of God? And then what might um, He be communicating to you or communicating to our church through um, what we're reading and viewing today? So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. All right. So I'm going to start with Matthew seven seven through eleven. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In what way do you want to learn to live your life fully in 2021? Posture is important. I'm not referring to merely the sit-up-straight kind of posture, but the kind of soul stature, if you will. Healthy for a genuine life worth living well in God. Consider the strength of memory, the mural on the screen. Standing five stories tall, it reveals rather publicly a posture of surrender, perhaps in the midst of pain and a willingness to receive care and support. It is a picture of readiness, a readiness for change. With Jesus's words in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, we are provoked to consider if our life is postured to truly seek after what is good are you ready for change? How is, Jesus ask, how is Jesus in your asking? Jesus is serious about our asking just by virtue of giving us three imperatives in this passage, ask, seek, knock. I'll abbreviate it as ask. They have an, an iterative, iterative texture to their orientation. Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Our asking reveals our heart. Jesus actually cares about the formation of our asking. Do we? It isn't tempting to live as if God is inconsequential to our asking, as if we are not involved and invited to ask uh, with him. But Jesus' words come to us full of faith and expectant longing. He knows what is truly real and good. The question is, are we really are we ready to trust that he knows what is truly real and good for us? Do we trust that he is ahead of us in our asking? So I'm going to stop there. And I'm going to go ahead and post this, um, what I was reading here in the chat. And so if you want to pull that up in your groups and refer back to it or read more from it, if you want to read the poem in your group or... Um, There's even a song later if you want to listen to the song, whatever you want to um, view or utilize in your group you can. You can also find the link to that in the um, Facebook page or in the newsletter this week if you want to pull that up through there. Um, So in our groups, you'll discuss the same questions we've been going over. Um, What does this communicate about the heart of God? And then what might God be communicating to you or to our church? And then, something else too that maybe we've mentioned in the past, but I would recommend you to start with prayer in your group Um, and don't be rushed in praying. Um, Spend some time in prayer, whether that's in reflection with what we just read and viewed, or if it's just praising God and thanking God for who He is, um, whatever kind of prayer that may be, just start with prayer and don't be rushed in your prayer. Maybe multiple people can pray as well before you start discussing the questions. I just think that can be a helpful way to make sure that we're orienting ourselves towards God um, and we're really listening and and engaging him in this time of of worship and in our responses as well. Um, So if whoever is breaking us into groups, you can go ahead and do that um, and we'll go from
0: there. Okay, I think everybody is back. Um, I wished that I had done the announcements before we did that worship activity, but I didn't think that through very well. Um, But I'm just going to go ahead and do uh, some announcements, and then we'll get into the sermon. First of all, I want to, um, actually, before we go into announcements, I want to encourage you to really prepare for the worship activity that we do every week. Uh, they're posting those um, at least five or six days before uh, the next time that we get together to talk about it. And one of the purposes of that is to prepare to have something to share with the body, but it's also to encourage us to worship throughout the week and not just on Sunday morning. And so I would encourage you to take the time, if you haven't already, to read through what we did today today. The link is posted on Facebook and in the newsletter and to let that speak to you and teach you and let that uh, show you the posture of worship that you need to take. It also incredibly relates to the sermon this morning. They are very intertwined and I think that it will help you to actually put into practice some of the things that we talk about this morning. Okay, so women, we have always done an ornament exchange ever since we started Denton North and we want to continue that tradition and so we're going to do it virtually this year. There are a lot of details involved in this and so again, these are posted in the women's group meet, they are posted on Facebook, they are posted in the newsletter, so please go there and read all of the details The most important thing is that we need you to sign up today, because we've got to do some matching up of who you'll be taking an ornament to, and we need to get that to you quickly. So please sign up today and please participate. Second, we have a hot chocolate and Christmas memories event that's coming up next Sunday at 7 p.m., Again, those signups are on Facebook and in the newsletter. So please go and sign up for that today. Um, it'll just be a time of drinking hot chocolate together and sharing Christmas memories. Third, um, we sent cards to our friend Joe on his birthday and he still has those cards hanging on his wall at Denton Rehab. So we want to replace those with some Christmas cards It brings a lot of joy to him and it helps him feel connected to our body. So Kurt's going to post his address in the chat. And if you would take time this next week and send him a card, um, that would be so meaningful to him. And he would appreciate that. And then take the sermon survey, if you haven't already. We'll be talking about that some next week. And so we need you to take that survey um, as quickly as possible, actually, so we can use those results when we talk. Um, Garvin, did you have an announcement you wanted to make?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I, can, I guess I can talk quickly. Um, so a few of us are putting on a like virtual type of show uh, in support of the Our, our Daily Bread in Denton. And so, throughout the DFW, uh, there's a few different, like, drop-off locations, because we're, like, collecting um, different hygiene products and, like, gently used clothing items. And so, just check out the Facebook posts. There's a few different uh, locations in which you can just take your donations to, and then we're going to bring it to our Daily Bread. And then on the 21st, some folks are going to come together and, like, sing Christmas songs and whatnot, and so you can sit back and just watch the, the virtual show. So yeah, that's all. If you have any questions, you can ask me about it or Ashley or, yeah, okay.
0: Okay, thanks Garvin, appreciate it. No problem. Okay, is there anybody else that had something that you needed to to tell the body this morning? Okay, then we're gonna go ahead and dive in.
1: I'll interject real quick, is that okay, Leslie?
0: Yeah, now that you're interrupting me, Sean. Yeah, go right hey, ahead.
1: Stop, stop. <laughs> Um, I I don't see Tong on here, but he's doing a men's secret Santa and um, he's gonna be reaching out to us and I'll I'll help him today, uh, reaching out individually to the men at DNC. We'll text and if you're interested in the secret Santa, we'll partner people
0: up. Thank you. And if you can't tell, we're trying to do some things to keep us connected, even though we're meeting virtually. And so that's why you're hearing a bunch of different um, activities And so I would encourage you to really participate in those. Um, It's gonna be a great way to um, encourage the rest of the body, I think, and it'll be fun as well. I I have a question. Yes. email mentioned something about hot chocolate and will this be in powder form? Like how will this hot chocolate arrive to our home if we sign up for this? Sean?
1: Yeah, we're just gonna get hot chocolate packs and drop them off. I'm not gonna be, I'm not like a hot chocolate Kind sure to uh, to make some really dope ones for everybody but yeah they'll be just little packs um and if you want to bring your own much better hot chocolate too i'm totally open for that <laughs> but yeah in the sign up i'll say real quick the sign up says if you would like hot chocolate delivered to you um to to check yes and then put in your address and we would deliver the pack
0: okay so I am something I never thought I would be. I am a boy mom and I love being a boy mom, but after growing up with two sisters, the things boys say and do were sometimes a shock for me. So there was the day I came home from the store and one of my boys along with his cousin had hoisted a cooler of uh, water balloons up onto the roof. So you heard me correctly, up onto the roof, and they were in elementary school. That thought never would have occurred to me and my sisters. I don't know where that comes from. And then there was the time one of them said, okay, well, that's the point. I can't tell you what they said. And Kurt developed a saying over the years, know your audience. And even though they're grown adults now, he still uses that with them. When they start to say something in front of me that he knows I won't appreciate, he just says, remember your audience. And he's used that with some of you as well. People like, (laughs) just kidding, I won't say who. Um, But as I prepared for the sermon today, the thought, remember your audience, kept running through my mind for a very different reason. Our topic today is dealing with negative emotions, such as pain and grief and depression. And I'm very aware that in our audience, people experience those emotions through very different situations. For example, there's the pain of living with a chronic illness versus the pain of being unwanted by someone important in your life. There's the grief over the death of a loved one versus the grief over the death of a relationship. There's depression that's induced by a situation versus depression that seemingly comes from nowhere. In addition, the way that we experience those emotions ranges from mild to acute. And so I think you can see how pretty quickly talking about this subject gets pretty complicated. However, I think even though that we haven't experienced the exact same situations, the most important thing is what God wants to do through those situations. And so this morning, we're going to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11 as our text, and I'm going to draw out five strategies for helping us deal with negative emotions. Before we read our text today though, I wanna talk for just a second about Paul because he's the writer of that text. When thinking about negative emotions, Paul made some pretty difficult to swallow statements. He said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The author Edgar Jackson in his description of grief made this statement. Grief is the helpless wishing that things were different, and when you know they are not and never will be again. That doesn't sound light and momentary to me. If God is for us, who can be against us? In all these things, we are more than conquerors, is something else that Paul said. Mother Teresa said, the sick and the poor suffer even more from rejection than material want. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty they face. That doesn't seem like a conqueror to me. Paul also said, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything. In her book, Still Life, Jillian Marchenko describes depression as a thief, a pickpocket, a burglar, a mugger, and a kidnapper. And you're going to tell me to rejoice? See, I think it's easy to write Paul off as some super spiritual guy who just doesn't get it. Rick Watts, in talking about 2 Corinthians in his New Foundations class, says that 2 Corinthians is the most intensely personal of Paul's letters, and that we get to see him bruised and bleeding not only physically but emotionally. And Paul describes a little bit of what this looks like in 2 Corinthians, and he says this. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. And in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have been and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. And despite all he's gone through and those things he just described in trying to help the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, they at the worst have turned against him and at best have just not defended him. And either way, it's heartbreaking for him. So, my point is, Paul knew what it was to suffer and experience pain, grief, and depression. His statements that he made, the ones I read earlier, were based on reality, they weren't based on escapism or denial. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. He wasn't one of those people Chelsea talked about last week who paints a smile on their face because Christians should be happy. Furthermore, nowhere in his writings or in the Bible as a whole is it indicated that honest confrontation with suffering, like we see in lament passages, is a lack of faith. So I say all that to say, Paul knows some things and we should listen to the wisdom he has in this. Aaron, is it possible for you to put that painting back up on the screen for just a second? Yeah, I can do that. Thank you. I'm gonna read uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11. And I want you to look at the painting while I read this out loud to you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you suffer in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I chose that text before I saw this painting and before I read this devotional. But if there's one thing I want you to remember about today that really represents the message of this text, it's this painting. It's this surrender to letting God comfort us and the posture that we take before him in accepting his comfort and his support. In verse three, when Paul says that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, the idea behind the word comfort here and in the New Testament is always more than just soothing sympathy. God doesn't just want to make us feel better. That's not the point of his comfort. It has the idea of strengthening, of helping, and of making us strong. God, when he comforts us, wants to make us strong. So how do we handle negative emotions? First, we handle them with community. Verse four says, he who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God one great purpose of God in comforting us is that we can bring comfort to others God's comfort can be given and it can be received through community and when we first moved to Denton I have a dear friend at the Garland church named Shannon and her daughter was diagnosed with cancer Because Kurt and I have a son that was diagnosed with cancer as a child, I was able to really give her some specific comfort. I knew the fears that she faced. I had practical advice about when you have to go to the hospital, what to take with you. I knew what would be especially difficult times for her. I knew what it was like to have another child at home that you needed to take care of. And I knew what truth Would comfort her and bring hope to her. But there were other people in the body that didn't have a child that had cancer that also were able to comfort her. We don't have to go through the exact same experiences to comfort one another. Sometimes the best way we can comfort others is to just be there. Um, I recently spoke with a young woman whose father passed away suddenly. She had a fractured relationship with him, he lived out of state. It was in the middle of stay at home, so there was no funeral. And we were talking about what it looked like for her to grieve this loss. And in the course of talking, she made the comment that when she found out he had passed away, she didn't want to be alone. She just wanted someone to be present with her. She didn't need them to have the right words to say. She didn't need them to do anything for her. She just needed them to be there with her. And we learn that from God. It's what he's so good at, comforting us with his presence. And he uses community to bring comfort to us as well. Community is made up of people that have experienced what we have, people who have experienced something similar, and people who have never experienced anything like it. Community is a bunch of imperfect people people who say the wrong thing, people who don't know what to say, people who ask questions trying to show their concern, people who care deeply, people that have been strengthened by God and people who reflect his love, people who can share his comfort because he's comforted them. We both learn how to comfort and we extend and receive comfort in community. The question is, are you willing to surrender to Christ's care and support through his imperfect community? Are you willing to surrender to Christ's care and support through his imperfect community? One of the ways we handle negative emotions is with community. Second, we handle negative emotions by turning our eyes upon Jesus. Verse five says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Our comfort comes from him. When we lived in Wiley, there was a big ice storm. It got super cold and it sleeted for quite a while. As a matter of fact, the tree in our front yard was so heavy with ice that it broke in half. My sons, Austin and Cale, were in college at the time, and for some unknown reason, in the middle of the night, they decided to walk to 7-Eleven, which was about a mile and a half from our house. And so they head out in the very, very cold weather, not even thinking about the fact that the ground is covered in ice, and so it's making it feel even colder. And they got about halfway there and realized, we are freezing. So they go to 7-Eleven, get all their snacks they're going to get, hang out there with the guy that was working there for a while so that they could warm up, and then they head back. When a storm hits, whether it's an ice storm, a tornado, or whether it's pain, grief, or depression, shelter and comfort is what we need most. With God, shelter is available to us from the moment the storm hits, so why do we sometimes stand outside in the cold like my boys did? Sometimes I blame God for leaving me alone out there, for not caring about me, and yet his shelter is there all the time. I just have to surrender to it. How do I miss it? Because sometimes what I want to do is run to a fake shelter. Sometimes when I'm upset, I wanna eat brownies or chips or candy or all of the above. For some people, it's losing themselves in social media, spending hours gaming, drinking alcohol, binge watching TV. We have a lot of shelters that we use for pain, grief, and anxiety, but in reality, they're counterfeits and they don't work. They're like my closet. A couple of weeks ago at our house, the tornado sirens went off and the wind was blowing super hard. So we decided maybe we ought to turn the TV on and see what's going on. And when we did, we found out that there was rotation close to the house. So we got in our master closet. The only problem is the closet doesn't have interior walls. As a matter of fact, there's no place in our home that has all interior walls. We get in the master closet because it at least makes us feel safe. But the truth is, it's not. It's not an effective shelter from a tornado. It's a substitute. And all those things that I just talked about are the same thing. They're not effective shelters from pain and grief and depression. They're just substitutes that we run to and they don't work. A shelter is a place of safety and security and protection. In Psalms 91, 1 and 2 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God is our true shelter. He's our shelter even when we can't feel him. Even when we can't understand the whys, he keeps us warm and safe and dry, even in the midst of our hurting. As I started thinking through this sermon, there's an old song from my childhood that came to mind, and I was singing it all week long. I, I did not sing this song just a ton as a child, but it just coming, kept coming back to me, and so finally I stopped and really listened to the words of it, and I wanted to share them with you. The song is called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and it's by Helen Lemel, and it says this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. O soul, are you wearied and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the savior and life more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. One of the things that's so beautiful about this song is the melody to it. Um, It's very peaceful and very comforting. I am not a great singer, but I do want you to hear that melody, so I'm going to make my best attempt here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think that's such a beautiful melody and such a beautiful thought and it totally exemplifies the comfort of God. You might have thought it was weird the way I worded my second point of turning your eyes upon Jesus But I did it in response to this song, and I hope that that song will help you remember this point. Many times we think that only a change in our circumstances will bring comfort. But when we turn our eyes on Jesus, he brings comfort in the middle of our difficult circumstances. So handle negative emotions with community and by turning your eyes upon Jesus. And third, with repetition, repetition of the truth of Christ. Verse seven said, and our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And remember, they've already said that comfort is the comfort of Christ. We're always talking to ourselves and we're always preaching a message to ourselves. The question is, when you face pain, grief, and depression, or whatever your negative emotion is, what will your message to yourself be? I can tell you that my message is if God is for me, who can be against me? God is always working for my good. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. In this world, I will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. I am loved by God. God's thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. When I am afraid, I will trust in him. God is God and I am not and that is good. I will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, I've thought about what my message to myself needs to be because naturally that is not the message I tell myself. I preach a way different message. And so I have to repeat over and over again the truth that I know from the word, the message that I know I want to preach to myself. It's important to read chunks of scripture and to take context into account. But it's also important to have short truths from scripture that you can memorize and repeat to yourself when you need it. The power of repetition is amazing and it gets into our hearts and our minds, and God uses it to comfort us and to make us strong. You can do this several different ways. Some ways that I have found effective are making a scripture ring where I just write truths on note cards and then I put a ring through them and I can toss that in my purse, I can toss it in my car, in my backpack, and pull it out and read those truths. Um, when I need them and when I want to repeat them to myself. You can write them on your mirror. You can post them on your fridge. How many of us don't look at our fridge several times a day? Put it where you'll see it. You can tape it to your steering wheel. There are lots of ways to remember those truths that you want to repeat to yourself. So handle negative emotions with community by turning your eyes upon Jesus and with repetition of the truth of Christ. And then four, by persevering, by standing firm in the resurrection. In verses nine and 10, Paul says, "'Indeed, we felt like we had received "'the sentence of death. "'But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, "'but on God who raises the dead. "'He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. See, Paul knew that God's work happens in the past, present, and future. He delivered us, he does deliver us, and he will deliver us. In um, December 7th, in that Viola Advent project, which is where our worship activity came from, There is an artist named Boek de Vries, which I am probably butchering that name. He is a Dutch artist. And this is the description that they gave of what he does. He is trained in ceramic conservation and restoration. At first, he fixed broken pieces, sometimes working on pieces that were not even worth the cost of fixing in which case many clients would leave him with the pieces. This ultimately caused him to begin making sculptures from broken china and porcelain. Instead of attempting to erase the traces of use and damage, he gives new life to the discarded and rejected. He assembles pieces of broken ceramics that would have been discarded and imbues them with life. That word imbues is so important because it doesn't mean that he just creates a new thing out of them. It means that new life fills and permeates their whole being. And isn't that what God does for us? Isn't that what he is doing? Isn't that what he's going to do in the future? He takes the broken pieces of our pain and of our grief and our depression and he gives us new life. He does it by proving he's faithful, that we can trust him, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He does it by using us to comfort others. He does it by transforming us to be strong when we feel weak. Only God can do that. If we believe that he raises the dead, that he has worked, is working, and will work in our lives, why would we give up? We know that new life, we know that resurrection is coming. Even though the resurrection is a future event, there's a sense in which the reality and power of resurrection touch us in our everyday lives. So we have to hang on to the hope of resurrection to the certainty of new life. So handle negative emotions with community, by turning your eyes upon Jesus, by repetition of the truth of Christ, and by persevering and remembering the power of the resurrection. And then lastly, through prayer. And this is where I think it circles back around and attaches back to the worship activity we did today. In verses 10 and 11, it says, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Prayer is a hard thing to explain, um, it's mysterious. It's not a way to get what you want, it's a relationship. It's not a way to prove how spiritual you are, but spiritual people do it. It's complicated, but it's also simple. It's easy until it's hard. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's just so hard to explain, but God works through prayer. James says it's powerful and effective. Do you believe that? The questions the devotional writer in our worship activity gave us today are helpful questions to think through and talk to God about and answer. Do you trust that God knows what is good for you? Do you trust that he's working for your good? Do you believe that he gives and will keep giving through prayer? Will you keep asking? Will you keep seeking? Will you keep knocking like Jesus told us to do? There's both a community and a personal aspect to prayer. The community aspect is that we can pray together and we can pray for each other. And my admonition to you this morning is do not underestimate the power of praying for others or having them pray for you. When others are grieving or in pain or depressed, we sometimes say, all I can do is pray. As if that's some insignificant thing, but it's the most important thing we can do. God gives strength. He does more than we can ask or imagine. He gives wisdom and he gives peace. And at one point in my life, I was struggling greatly with anxiety and depression. And it was way worse when I would go to bed at night. And so I had a friend that said, every night when I go to bed, I'm going to pray for you. And so when I was getting in bed and my depression and anxiety were at its worst, I knew that she was lifting me up to God, who is the God of all comfort. And what God did was he made me calmer. He made me more hopeful. He strengthened me. And eventually the depression and anxiety went away. Now, did God heal me or did he just strengthen me to deal with it until it went away on its own? I honestly don't know. I just know that her prayers changed me. And I think that that is the biggest gift we get in prayer is the way it changes us, not the way it changes our circumstances. So let the community pray for you. It's part of handling negative emotions with the community is letting them pray for you. There's also a personal aspect to prayer. We can talk to God on our own. Um, Don't let negative emotions keep you from talking to God. Keep those lines of communication open. Keep building your relationship with him. Keep listening to him. Keep giving him your worries and your concerns and your anger. Keep worshiping him. Keep thanking him. And when you don't know what to pray, pray scripture. I often pray that God will make me strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Or I pray for us as a church that God will fill us with all joy and peace as we trust him so that we can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those come directly from Scripture. There are all kinds of prayers in Scripture that you can pray those same prayers. When you don't know what to pray, sit in silence and let the Holy Spirit speak for you. Whatever you do, don't stop praying because praying changes us. Deal with negative emotions with community, turn your eyes on Jesus, repeat the truth of Christ. Persevere, don't give up, hang on to the resurrection. And finally, through prayer. Brad said in his sermon last week that we have to say yes to God no matter what the cost. And honestly, we often pretend like that does not apply to our emotions. God says, You're in pain, rejoice always. You're grieving, pray continually. You're depressed, Give thanks in all circumstances. And we say, that's impossible. No way, I'm not doing that. And God's response is, trust me. If we're going to say yes to God, no matter what the cost, we have to be willing to say yes to God with all parts of our lives, including how we handle our negative emotions. I want to read that entire passage to you one more time. And as I do, I want you to really listen with your specific situation in mind. I want you to listen with that painting we looked at in mind. And I want you to hear what the God of comfort has to give you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our own behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. My hope is that what we've talked about this morning will be a springboard to you spending time with God, determining how the things we talked about can be applied to your specific situation. See, that's the part I can't do for you. That's the part you have to do on your own. But if you need any help in doing that, feel free to reach out because I would be more than happy to talk with you about that. There are other people in our body that would be more than happy to talk with you about that. So please ask if you want help thinking through and working through that. Do you guys have any questions you want to throw out there about this topic? It's a big topic.
1: I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say thank you for the sermon, Leslie. I needed to hear it,
0: (laughs) so thank you a lot. Thanks, Brendel, that's the Holy Spirit working and it's nice to know. Yeah, Manny, I agree with that too. And I kind of went with uh, the wording that I had at the beginning and I thought a couple of times, I'm not sure negative is what I wanna use in describing these emotions. So difficult emotions might be a better description of that. Thanks for pointing that out. I appreciate that. All right. Well, if you guys have any questions during the week, feel free to text me or call me or email me, um, and I'll be happy to talk with you about that. So let's, um, we are out of time. So let's end our time um, with a prayer. And then if you guys want to hang around and talk, you can, Um, if you are, uh, ready to uh, head out and finish the rest of your day up, you can do that as well. And God, I just thank you for being the God of all comfort. Um, I thank you for being a God that we can trust, that we can trust that you know what's good, that we can trust that you're working for our good. And I pray God that when we don't feel like we can trust that that you'll make us strong, and that you'll remind us of why we can trust that. Um, I pray, God, that we'll handle these difficult emotions in a way that brings glory and honor to you and in a way that surrenders ourselves to receive your comfort. I just pray that you'll be with us this week as we think about this more and as we bring it to you, and I pray, God, that you'll teach us how to deal with difficult emotions. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen